Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Cry Oneness, a show where you can share your miracles, share your poetry, your music, share your lives, share what God's doing in your life on our show. Um, we're going to have a guest tonight, and I'll be talking about him. He's in the studio with me right now, our virtual studio, and we're going to start the show the way we always do, with this beautiful prayer from Thomas Merton, the Thomas Merton Love Oneness, Oneness Prayer. So as I read this prayer aloud from Thomas Merton, please allow your heart to continue to soften and let love flow through you towards a person or situation in your life that you're not happy with. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, we are one with you. You have made us one with you. You have taught us that if we are open to one another, you dwell in us. Help us to preserve this openness and to fight for it with all our hearts. Help us to realize that there can be no understanding where there is mutual rejection. O God, in accepting one another wholeheartedly, fully, completely, we accept you and we thank you, and we adore you, and we love you with our whole being, because our being is in your being, our spirit is rooted in your spirit. Fill us then with love, and let us be bound together with love as we go our diverse ways, united in this one spirit which makes you present in the world, and which makes you witness to the ultimate reality that is love. Love has overcome. Love is victorious. Amen. And I would also say, God is love and comes to us disguised as our life, as my friend Richard Rohr says. And he's a fan of Thomas Merton also. And, uh, well, the guest I have on tonight, I met in an Uber call. And he's a great guy, and he shared that he had a, a, a cardiac arrest and he was brought back to life. And he's going to be talking to us a little bit later. But first, uh, the theme of tonight's show is going to be near-death experiences. Now, I've been near death due to alcohol use in the past, but I've never experienced a, a near-death experience. However, my father did, and I've shared this with my friend Jimmy, who's listening and uh, sitting in our studio tonight, and I think I'm going to share it again before he shares, because what happened to my own father was, was amazing, and... Uh, my, my father had heart disease, and he had a cardiac arrest when I was 18 years old, and he had another cardiac arrest when I was in my 40s, and then he had his final cardiac arrest when I was at his bedside and didn't even plan on being there. You know, my worst fear growing up was always the death of my parents, and I actually at a time in my life said, God, please let me die before my parents because I don't think I can deal with it. And uh, the way God responded was I was at my parents' death my mother's death, and my father's death three times. So be careful what you ask God, because if you make it clear to God that you're afraid of anything, in my mind, this is my opinion, he will bring that to you until you're not afraid anymore, because he doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us to live in faith, hope, and love. And whatever we're afraid of, I think he brings to us until we get used to it enough so that we're not afraid of it anymore. So speaking of that, I think I'm going to deviate a little bit. I, I think I want, I think the Spirit wants me to let Jimmy share his story uh, first because this kind of leads into what Jimmy went through. What Jimmy went through is the same thing my father went through, a cardiac arrest where he was clinically dead, not biologically dead because it takes the brain another four minutes without oxygen before you have biological death and irreversible death. When I share my father's story, after Jimmy starts talking about his experiences, you probably will understand the difference between biological and clinical death. At any rate, my, my belief now is nobody's dead until the spirit leaves the body. And the spirit can leave the body and come into the body and energize it again anytime he wants, even if somebody's dead over eight minutes. I have a friend, Tony, in Stanford who had a cardiac arrest on a job site and went eight minutes without oxygen. And that's a third near-death story I'm going to share with you tonight. But I think I'm going to start with my guest, who I met in an Uber call. And uh, he's a very kind man, 
and we started talking immediately when he got into the car, and the topic of his cardiac arrest came up, and then my poetry came up, and this happens to me a lot in Uber, by the way. Many people want to talk about God, but are afraid to talk about God unless they're prompted. Jimmy's not one of them. Good evening, Jimmy. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, and I want to thank you for uh, inviting me into your show. And uh, I'm very excited to talk about my experience, uh, what happened to me with my cardiac arrest. Um, uh, I'll get started by saying it was about two years ago. Um, I was starting a new job, and um, second day in the job, uh, I uh, unfortunately, um, was, I remember looking over to my right, looking to my left, and like a tidal wave came over me. And they said I went to a major seizure um, on the floor, biting my tongue, shaking, and then I was gone. Um, Explain what you mean, like a tidal wave. It, you know, it, it was, it was, it's kind of weird. I was looking to my right, and one of my coworkers, I had two coworkers to my left, and it kind of like I faded out, like something like a breeze. It just, just kind of. Fell asleep, like a you know, like interesting and fading out, right? No pain, fading out. fading out, right? No pain, nothing. Yeah, no pain, no nothing gently, hurt. Just gently passing, gently passing. Like uh, exactly, that's it. Just the wind, gently. The wind, you know, the Holy Spirit is often described as being a wind. So that's correct. That a wind, just, yeah. Yeah, just like a breeze just came over me, and I faded out. Don't remember what happened, but they told me that. Um, I went to a major seizure, like I said, shaking violently, biting my tongue, just they couldn't put my arms down, and I was gone. Um, gratefully, by the grace of God, an ambulance was nearby, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, they came in, they brought me back to life. I don't remember, I remember certain pieces of the puzzle. Um, being in the ambulance, I guess I faded out again. They brought me back. Then I got to the hospital. I remember all these doctors, nurses running around, putting the, you know, the gown on me, cutting my clothes off, putting IVs in me, um, doctors running all over. Um, excuse me. And um, I thought I was in a car accident. I thought I, I hurt somebody or killed somebody in a car accident. I'm going, was I in a car accident? What happened? And they're like, no, 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 you had a seizure, we got you, you're okay. And then they started asking me questions. Um, where are you? I didn't know. Um, do you know what day it is? I didn't know. All these questions. The last question they asked me was, what's your name? And then I started to weep, started to cry. I didn't know who I was. And the doctor, I remember, put his hand on my left shoulder and said, it's okay. You're going to be all right. And that's what I remember. You're going to be okay. Man, um, when, you said, when you said you don't know who I am, maybe you weren't yourself at that point in time. Did you ever think well, that? I'm thinking that the oxygen was cut off to my brain. Mm -hmm. um, I, again, they had neurologists. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, they had so many doctors working on me at that point. My right. veins were collapsing. Um, they had IVs in both my arms. Um, so I remember that part. You know, it took me a while to, to realize, you know, it took me, yeah, I was in the hospital for two weeks. Um, so little, little by little, it started coming back to me. Um, but they said you're going to be okay. The next morning, I was on the operating table, and they were putting a, a, a pacemaker in my chest. Um, they they said I only had 10% use of my heart out of 100, 10% use. Um, and then... Um, I, they were talking muscular, they weren't talking arteries, right? I think you told me this. They were talking muscular, correct, only, correct. Only 10% of your heart muscle was still good, they told you. That was it, 10%. That's all I had. It's amazing. Um, here, yeah. yeah, so, you know, after I got out of the hospital... I ended up coming back living with my elderly mother. Uh, had, I, I had lost my job. Um, couldn't, I bought a brand new car, couldn't afford to pay that, repossessed. 
so when I got sick, I lost everything. I had no car, no job. I was on welfare, living on food stamps, $194 a month for food, $200 for cash to get a haircut, to buy shampoo, to buy soap. For over a year, I lived like that. Couldn't buy clothes. I lived on two pair of jeans, a couple pair of socks, one pair of shoes. I had nothing. I lost everything in my life. Now, it was gone. God at this point in time, or, or, or did you, you have an experience no. with God feeling his presence or anything? Not at that point. I mean, I said, okay, I'm going to deal with it. I had my friend, Johnny, or mention his last name, help me get on food stamps, help me get things going, um, but I'm home. I had shelter over my head. And then down the road, probably four months, five months, I started getting angry at God. I did. I started cursing God. Why me? Why me? So then I got so upset with the Lord that I said, I'm ready to go. I flushed all my heart medicine down the toilet, flushed it. I didn't care if I lived or died. I, I really, I wanted to die. But being a Catholic, I know that if I take my own life, I'm going to be honest, we think we're going to hell. And that's not me. That's not me. I was always a fighter. You know, um, growing up, five foot six, going to Denver High School, you're too small to play football. I made captain of the football team. Um, got a scholarship to play Division Three football. Never gave up on anything. At this point, after this cardiac arrest, I wanted to give up. I didn't care anymore because I couldn't see myself being in a shelter, living on the street. I didn't feel like a man anymore. I didn't feel, I felt worthless. I wanted to work. I wanted to be somebody. You know what I'm saying? And um, I was—I think I shared with you—I was on the floor with a bottle of pills, ready to kill myself at a point yeah. in time. You know, yeah, it's a horrible feeling—that depression, right, where you feel like everybody's abandoning you. Correct. And I had just my friend Johnny and his family supporting me. And I remember coming home, and again, I flushed all the pills on the toilet. Didn't care. Went to the doctors probably a couple of weeks later, and they said, Jimmy, you're in bad shape. You're, you're going to die if you don't take this medicine. And it scared me a little bit. And something, not a voice, but something it came from my heart, said, Jimmy, you're better than this. You're better than this. You're not a quitter. You always fought. And so I started taking my medicine again. Let's, talk about, that little, let's talk about that little voice from the heart, because I get those too, those little sure. hearts. They're called sure. illusions, in my case. Now, voice from the heart is the way many, many spiritual people describe the voice of Jesus, because he lives in our heart and tries to get in our heart all the time. And right. we have, sometimes we have to be desperate enough and at the bottom before we hear that voice. So right. would you describe yourself as being in that situation when you heard this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it didn't. no voices came in my mind. I didn't dream or, of anything. Something hit me in my heart and said, Jimmy, you are better than this. You can't quit. You can't quit. You got to keep fighting. So I started taking my medicine, got better. Um, and then, you know, you know, the year went on or so. Um, my friend was taking me to try to find a job here and there. I finally landed a job. I, it was my year anniversary, April 11th, that just passed. I got a job at a company. Um, can I mention the company's name or no? Yeah. 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 I work for Berkshire Foods in Danbury, Connecticut. Um, yep. And I got a job. I finally got um, um, a bank account. I run the warehouse for them. Um, I got a cell phone. Um, I got clothes on my back. I got food in my belly. Um, I've been looking for an apartment, excuse me, for so long, and I'm in my mother's house now that's been in foreclosure for 10 months, uh, 10 years, excuse me. Um, a little while ago, I met a, another Uber driver who 
I'm moving in next week. I have an apartment. Wow. So God is really, you know, you want it right away, but God knows when to give it to you. Amen. That's my thought. You know, and he's taking his time. I think he's rebuilding me. He's saying, okay, Jimmy, you had everything. You lost it. Now I'm going to rebuild you and make you better. So I'm going to teach you how to manage your money now, how to appreciate a job, how to appreciate what you have. I mean, does that sound crazy or in, no, I don't no, know. It's like my experience with them. You know, yours is uh, very similar to what happened to me, you know. I was in a big hole, and uh, sometimes we need these holes. So he loves to jump down in holes and pull us back out. You know, that's what he right. Loves. But we have to hit bottom sometimes because sometimes we don't listen to them until we're at our bottom. And that's right. unfortunate, but that happened to me too. Sounds like you were at your bottom. I wouldn't want to get much more worse than being dead on a table. Cause yeah. That's you were, right? So you yeah. can save anybody who listens, you know. But I have a lot of regrets. Even if people don't listen, he'll save them, in my mind. Sure. You know? Yeah. But see, I have a lot of regret, Joseph, because I feel so bad that I've cursed Jesus. I said some mean things. I blame things on him. And then the next day I wake up and I say, you know what, Lord? Forgive me because it's not you. It's me. And I apologize. Forgive me my sins against you, your son Jesus, everybody I offended, my family, anybody. And he does forgive. And I know he does because I can feel it. I can feel it. And um, it's just, oh, I mean, I, I can go on for hours and telling you um, about this, but, I mean, it's just. So what's your current, your current belief in God? What do you believe God is? What, do you do, what does he do for people? What has he done for you? What's your current belief? My current belief is God is the most highest power. He forgives. If you ask his forgiveness, he'll forgive you. But you've got to mean it in your heart. See, I believe that God judges you not by your sins, but by your heart. What kind of person are you? Are you the kind of person that will see a homeless person on the street and give him 20 bucks and feed him? Or are you the kind of person that will just walk away and say, you know what, it's just tough luck. I'm the type of person that would stop and give him my last $20 in my pocket if I have to pay a bill to feed him. God judges you to me on your heart. And I, you know, that's, that's what I believe. And, um, I, I, kind I don't of know the same thing, but I kind of believe he, he judges us. I don't think he judges us. I think he's all mercy and love. I think, uh, <laughs> I think that he's going to be there waiting with arms wide open when, when we die. I don't think he's going to be there to judge us. I think he's going to be there to console us. I believe in a divine mercy. And right. I used to, my whole concept of what God is has changed since I got into 12-step work. And uh, I, I, really, I really believe that he's all mercy. And when I was growing up, I, I was scared to death as a, as a young Catholic growing up because we had a priest that preached fire and brimstone. And every other word out of his mouth was, you're going to hell, you're going to burn in hell. I'm a seven-year-old kid. I'm saying, this is not a God I'm in love with. You no, know? it's tough, yeah. You know, and... You know, I just, it, it, it made me frightened that I already had anxiety problems and I already had asthma and I already had a lazy eye. So it wasn't what yeah. I needed to hear, you know, for a long time. You sure. You were mad at God? Oh, you'd have <laughs> to have a contest with me over who was mad at God, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I thought he was going to let my parents die and I told him I wanted to die first and then I got frightened and I told him that because I thought he might take me up on it. You know, it's... Right. I am so glad there's a service called the Divine Mercy in the church now. Sure. And that's what I believe in wholeheartedly. He's yeah. merciful and loving, and all that we have to do is turn to him, and he's ready to take away all our pain. Well, here's my question. Like that when we die, too, I think. He's going to be yeah. there, ready to take away all our pain, and only the people who don't believe him aren't going to go with him right away, maybe. Yeah. I don't even know if I believe in purgatory anymore. No, I don't believe in purgatory. I believe that, I don't believe that, you have to wait when you when you pass away you're in front of Jesus right away um i don't believe that you have to wait to the end of the world or whatever you know the case may be but here's my thing 
Um, God made the Ten Commandments. Um, thou shalt not kill, steal, whatever the case may be. Um, he made them for a reason. So I'm a little confused on this. So if somebody goes out, like we see all these mass shootings in schools, kids killing kids, um, all this killing is going on in this world. Why? I, that's my question. I want to sit with God and ask him why. And will he forgive them? I, I'm so confused on this, this issue here. I mean, you know, don't steal, you know, don't kill, so forth and so on. I mean, what are your thoughts on this matter with that? I mean, what are we... Uh, what are we the same thing he said from the cross when he died. Right. Forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. What they do. The people right. that are living the people that are living in sin don't know what they're doing. They think it's right. So why did God make the Ten Commandments then and send his only son to die for us? He sent his son to die for us to forgive us our sins, but yet are we allowed to commit sins and then we're forgiven right away? I mean, these are the questions not for you but for God that I want to ask God. So what do you think about that? I don't know. I mean, I'm confused, you know? It's kind of... I think, I think this about God. God is a mystery who reveals himself to us a little bit right. at a time. And also yeah. And handle. People who don't... People, I, I like what Richard Rohr says about this situation. He says... Uh, oh, jeez, I'm drawing a little blank here. So, I, I, I believe... That God is God and I'm not God. That's what I believe. And right. so when I try to become God, I'm usually living in sin because that's the mm -hmm. sin of pride, you know. Sure. So, uh, well, Richard Rohr says, as soon as you think you have it all figured out, who God is, it's not God you're dealing with. Right. So now, God is God and I am Joe, you know, and Joe is my major problem, not God. Sure. So I have to keep focused on what Joe needs to do and not what God right. needs to do or anybody else needs to do. I can't take anybody else's inventory. You know, and I learned that in 12-step work, but it really matches church philosophy, too, I think. You know, God is God. I like yeah. Jeremiah. There's a Bible scripture from Jeremiah that says, because you remember Moses throwing the Ten Commandments down the hill in the movie? Sure. And shattering them? I, yep. I don't know exactly when this happened in scripture, but it was Jeremiah, and Jeremiah said, because it was said, I will write my command instead of what God said to Jeremiah, I will write my commandments in their hearts, and they will need no other teachers, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Right. That's all he wants is for us to yeah. be his people and try our best. And if there's any judgment, I think it's we're judged on how hard we try. Yeah. Because he knows how terribly difficult it is not to sin. Right. And he controls the length of the leash on Satan. You know that, too, right? Right. Satan can't do Absolutely. anything. It's in the book of Job. Satan cannot do anything without God's permission. He goes up and asks God if he can torture Job. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't just do it. No. Nope. You know? Yeah. The devil I mean, is subordinate to God. He has to get God's okay to do anything. Yeah. He's a fallen angel. He still has to get permission. Sure. You know, uh, if we're smart, we pray a lot. And just pray that we're doing our best, you know. That's what yeah. I think. No, that's you know, you know, I saw, uh, and I'm sure you've probably seen this movie, Heaven is for Real. Have you seen that movie? I, I know the one you're talking about. I may have seen it a long time ago. It's been out a while, right? It's been out a long time. Yeah. Little boy who passed away during surgery, saw share Jesus. With, share with our audience more about that. Cause I've yeah, yeah. Anybody who's listening, you should go out and get the movie Heaven is for Real. It's very inspirational. Um, it's about a little boy named Kobe who had surgery, passed away during surgery. He saw his father, who was a priest, in one room, his mother in another room. His father was cursing God, his mother doing the same thing. But it's so inspirational because... You saw, you saw he, this because he was dead and out of his own body, right? Correct. Wow. Yeah, right. he, he was brought back to life, right. but he walked in the kingdom of heaven. Um, he was in his 
Father's church in heaven, basically. His Father's church on earth was in heaven. Opened the door, sat in the pew. The angels, archangels started singing to him. Um, to sum it up, um, all of a sudden, Jesus walks in the door. And he goes, Kobe, do you know who I am? He goes, yes, I do. He goes, are you afraid? He goes, no, I'm not. He goes, well, I have some people that want to meet you. Unfortunately, his mother at the time had a miscarriage prior to Kobe. So Jesus introduced him to his sister. Okay? So he met his sister. He met his grandfather he never met. He met the archangels. It was it's just such an inspirational movie that people yeah, need to go out and see. Yeah. I think I shared with you before too, you know, my mother had a miscarriage. Okay. She was very sick with Alzheimer's and dying. She was talking about another child named Michael. Right. She was talking about the child that she miscarried. Right. So and, and she was seeing people who were already dead when she was doing this. So Yeah. That validates what you just said from that book, Heaven you know, with the kids. Yeah. It's a whole Great spiritual movie. world that we did that's a mystery, but we're so close to it. It's just like a veil between us and it, you know? It's very thin veil. No, no you had your out-of-body, you didn't have the out-of-body experience that some people talk about. With you, it was all real time. You were just coming in and out of it and seeing the doctors. You weren't seeing your own body from above it, right? No. No, didn't see that. Didn't, uh, you know, see the white light. Didn't talk to Jesus. And again, I, I think I told you this. I didn't. I asked my priest. He says you're you weren't ready. Jesus, you Jesus said you weren't ready. That's why you didn't see uh, your family or Jesus or anybody. You're, it wasn't your time, Jimmy. Oh, um, so that's what he you know told me, and I believe it. Okay. Um, you know. That's true. And now your your situation was a mere. When did you come to appreciate what happened instead of being mad at God about it? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I started. You love God now, so when did the switch go, and what caused it to go? For me to get uh, more faithful and and not be mad at God without being mad at Him, yeah. I would say probably a year ago when um, things started falling into place. When I got a job, um, I got a bank account. Like I told you, uh, I got a cell phone. Things started falling into place, and then I started getting on my knees and saying, you know, God, you know, you gave me a job, you gave me a bank account, I know you're working in your time, and I'm thankful for that. And, you know, it started you knew, getting... You knew it was coming from him. How did you know it was coming from him? Of course. Who else would it come from? It wouldn't yeah, come from yeah. anybody else. You know, he I knew it was courting you. You know, he let you fall down, and then he started started courting you again, didn't he? Right. Yeah. He he he. I feel like how can I explain it? I feel like I broke myself down, but yet he built me back up. But in his time, and I kept waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm like, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? But. He has a lot to deal with. When, when, when you started getting grateful, did you start getting more? I did. I did. Like I said, I got a little bit at a time. Not a lot. A little bit. Yeah. Okay? The first thing I got was a bank account. No, I'm sorry. First thing I got was a job. Right. Then the bank account came. Then I got a cell phone. Then, you know, I started getting some more clothes, food off right. of food stamps. So little by little, he was picking and choosing what I was going to get. So did you, do you think that you changed first or that God changed the way he was treating you first? How, was it, how did it work? Oh, did, man. Did you that's request a, his help? Did you request his help or did it just start coming as an act of No, I, I always pray to him, you know, Lord, I want a nine-to-five job. Lord, I want, you know, to not work nights anymore. I, I just want this in my life. I want that in my life. And little by little, I started to get it. So I don't know if it was, I don't know. That's a great question. It's, it's uh, confusing. It's, it's hard to say. Um, but he did, he, you know, it's, I want to say that he has a lot to deal with. He has a lot in his plate. You know, he's building his army, Armageddon, all this stuff. Um, he's got to deal with all these people on earth, 
and beyond. And he is, you know, in his time, he deals, he's got time for me. And, and I, I appreciate that, and I love him for that. And What did you think of this thing I shared with you last time we spoke? I, this thing that Richard Rohr says also, God is a verb, not a noun. You know, I, I kind of believe that we're all part of God unless we separate ourselves from God by our free will. So, like right. say in your case, do you think your will was keeping you from having God reveal himself through you? No, my, you know, you know you free will. God will never violate his gift of free will. So, in other right. words, if you don't want God's help, he's not going to give it to you because he won't violate your free will. Well, free will, to me... Miserable, he's going to let us stay miserable, right? Correct. To me, and I'm glad you mentioned free will. Free will, to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, free will he gave to all his angels. He gave to all of us here on earth. Free will to do what you want to do. Lucifer, the morning star, had free will. Turn his back on Jesus, okay, after he was the number one archangel. Michael, unfortunately, I'm, had to throw him out of heaven, okay? and took a third of God angels with him, but it is what it is. But free will, to me, is the hardest thing in the world. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. Correct I, me if I I'm agree. wrong. It's a gift and a curse. It is. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, well put. A gift and a curse. Right. It's so hard. Free will is so hard. You know, I mean, I got to sometimes say to myself, talk to myself to get up to get up and go to work, to get up and fight. I'm digging uh, uh, cliches like, I love movies like Rocky, uh, Balboa, you know, uh, the world's not all sunshines and rainbows. You know, it's a hard, mean, cool, vicious world. It'll beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. You've got to get up. Denzel Washington, in his speech when he won an Oscar, get knocked down seven times, you get up eight. And I live off these cliches i love it and that keeps me motivated to go on does that sound silly or or it does not really because i wrote this thing i think i might have shared it with you uh this is locution i think uh i have a burning to think of let me know if you think this is the lord speaking to me or me just making it up all right i have a burning desire to have people feel my presence in their hearts to stop turning to the world for relief, to know that each breath they unconsciously take is my love, and each blink of their eye is me trying to get them to look inwardly for me instead of gazing at the clouds, and to see me in every other person, place, and thing in the universe, to find that peace within that surpasses all human understanding, and to accept hardships as the pathway to me, enjoying their journey without looking for a final destination, placing one foot in front of the other and doing their best to take care of everything I place in their path, being at peace by accepting their brothers and sisters, knowing that every creature on earth is one in spirit with them. So why is it that when a person sins, they fear me? Can anyone ever be apart from me? Are they not a part of me always? Can an atom in a table be anything other than a part of a table? I am who am. And is not everyone part of everything that is? You make your God too small when you try to understand God. You are a part of me always. The only exception is when you choose to use free will to think you're apart from me. And that causes you great pain. But you do it anyway because of free will, the gift and the curse, the cross we all carry. Love all and accept life. Or at least stop fighting it and you will be in heaven on earth. So you want me to answer that where that came from? Yeah. It sounds like something out of the Bible to me. Or that it came from you, it came from God to you. So, I mean, so where did it come from? It come from God, I think, right? Yes, that's what I believe. Here's yeah, I, first, I thought it was... First, I thought it was from a Bible quote, but um, to me, it, it it came from God. It definitely came from God. This was my this was my answer to him, I think. Right. I talked to God after a locution. Thank you, Lord. I feel that peace and stillness now, 
and I know that is you. You are the stillness in my heart that only enters into my consciousness when I am willing to let it enter my mind, which is usually chaotic. Mm -hmm. The key to the door between my heart and mine can only be opened with the key of willingness. That willingness happens when I sit in silence and contemplate your love and mercy. When I stop attaching to my own thoughts and surrender to your silent words. When I feel you gaze upon me with unconditional approval. When I start to understand that this is your body and not mine. And that what I don't know is vastly more important than what I think I know. Then, in an unexpected flash of hope, suddenly, for a joyous microsecond, I understand with my heart only a new truth, that you are in me, that I am in you, that we are one, that the only thing that can separate me from you is free will, and that that gift that you also experienced on earth is an irrevocable free gift curse from the Father. It's a gift if I use it to seek you, and a curse if I use it to seek myself. It's a gift if I use it to serve others, and a curse if I use it to serve myself. It's a gift if I love and accept others unconditionally, and a curse if I love and accept others with conditions. It's so hard, though, Lord, to act on what I know is true, to love my enemies, to love people who hurt me, to forgive the people who kill me, as you did, to accept dying for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for this time with you today, Lord, with hope and gratitude. Your brother, friend, and lover, Joe. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, it's really... Wow, that's deep. That's really deep. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. That's that's incredible. Um, I don't know what to say. It's, I'm lost at words. Sometimes he's courting us, and sometimes we're courting him. It's a divine dance, isn't it? It's like dancing with a lover dealing with Basically. us now. I mean, you're you dancing know? with him now. You were you were avoiding him before when you were angry, and you're not anymore, right? You're in a warm no. dance with him now, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, I'm just so... Even my uh, coworkers say you're different hey, at work. The happy. only way he could get your attention or my attention, he let you die, and he almost let me take a bottle of pills, and that's how he gets our attention. Yeah. Because we're so stubborn, right? But I want to know... You know, I, I cheated death so many times, car accidents. Oh, me too, yeah. Drug, drug overdose, alcohol, yep. pills. And why am I still here? That's my question. Why am oh, I still oh, here? Wait, wait, let's, let's talk on that. Why do you think you're still here? He's got a reason for me to be here. Was I here for my elderly mother, who the only family member I have left? Am I here to serve a certain purpose that he wants me to speak his word? Um, I got an answer I, for you. I got an answer for you. Okay. You're here because you're an internal creature on the short leg of your journey. We were all with him forever, and we're going to stay with him forever. This is just the earthbound right. portion of our journey. Well, what do I deserve to be here? Why? These little kids are getting shot in school, and these poor kids are uh, a homeless. Um, you know, 40% of our population are homeless are kids. What do I deserve to have this grace bust upon me and not them? That's my question. I don't, I don't deserve. You don't have to deserve God to get God. He loves us unconditionally, and we find that hard to understand, don't we? We find I do. it hard to believe that he has no conditions on his love for us. Because right. being brought up in the old days, you're going to hell. You're going Correct. to die. You're going to hell. Right. That's what I grew up with. Is that what you oh, grew up with? I went to Catholic school. You don't... Anymore. I don't believe that lie anymore. Do you? No. No. Absolutely not. I mean, oh, you don't go to church, you're going to go to hell. I went to a Catholic school, Sacred Heart in Danbury. Uh, you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. You don't do this, you're going to go to hell. I'm like, really? Come on. Um... You know, I, I, finally, I still, I still love my church. I still go to my church. Sure, me too. Church. And I don't, I don't care what anybody else's church is. I don't care who anybody else's God is. Someday everybody's going to realize that there's only one God and we're all part of it. Correct. Absolutely. And I and we totally agree. We better start killing people because God lives in people. And when exactly. we kill anybody, we're killing a part of God, and that's not good. No, it's not good. It's not good. But, Every you know, Adam is a part of God. 
Yeah. Every single atom is a part of God. There's nothing in this world that doesn't have an atom in it, is there? No. He's energy. You know that He's Adam, everything. An atom has three parts? Yeah. Just like Trinity? Yeah. Proton, electron, and neutron. And they're constantly you know in a dance with each other. Well, I and call look God... Happened, look what happened when man split the atom. You know what happened when man split the atom? You know, I kind of forgot about that. Happened. And uh, do you know what was used to do that? The computer. The bomb? They had a bunch of scientists working on a computer to generate numbers fast enough to, to split the single most smallest part of life. Wow. They used life to destroy people in Japan. Yeah, with the atomic uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We split yep. the smallest particle of God, and look what an explosion it caused. I know. It, it was tragic. It was definitely tragic. Um, yep. We divided something that was three. Sure, sure. We bruised our creator. Yeah. I mean, you know, Joseph, there's a lot of things that I just want to share real quick with you that I've done. Um, you know, I had a, a crucifix that was given to me a St. Jude medal that was given to me from my grandparents that I was such in a drunken state that I sold it for money. And these things haunt me, haunt me, because I'm hoping that God has that when I enter the kingdom of heaven that I can receive my medals back. Um, I've done so, so much wrong to him, and I regret so much that I did to God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit that... I'm just, hopefully, I'm forgiven for my sins. I mean, I pray every day, forgive me for my sins. When I wake up in the morning, I say, they are Father, Hail Mary, forgive me for my sins, Lord. And I hope he does. I really do. Didn't he, take a, thief, didn't he take a thief with him to heaven, just for looking at him and liking him? I'm sorry? Did not Jesus take a thief with him to heaven just for... He did. Yes, he him did. He loved him. He did All on the cross. We tell God we love him, right? That's yes. what we need to do. Look, I, thought, I think I shared this with you before. Peter denied God three times. Yes, he did. And when God came back after dying, he asked Peter three times, what question? And you know what? I'm, I forgot this one, so you've got to help me out. Peter, <laughs> Peter, do you love me? Okay. He asked him three times if he loved him. Right. And Peter got mad at him. You know I love you, Lord. Right. That's all Peter had to do. And he was the head of the church. And when Jesus picked Peter, yeah. Peter said right to him, Lord, I am a sinful man. And Jesus said, good, you're going to be the head of my church. I'm going to build, the, uh, on, this, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. After Peter told him he was a sinner. So what makes you think you're not liked by God? Yeah. I just, I, I just feel so hurt and so disrespectful that I disrespected God and Jesus so much through my lifetime and so so much wrong but yet my heart is still with him you know and my love is still with him he you know I you know it might sound funny right now or foolish but when I get up and pray in the morning before I go to work I mean I'm up at three in the morning I say you know Lord God after my prayer I say I want to be a soldier for you in heaven Okay, you, Again, you, need, you, need, you need to hear this love locution that I got, right? I think I might have shared it with you already, did I? Okay, uh, I'm not positive, but go ahead. I, I'd love to hear it. Okay, love. Love is the key. Pretend God is saying this to you. Just listen. Jimmy. Yes. My beloved child, mighty is my love for you. Full of mercy, hope, and grace. Before the dawn of time I knew you, Jimmy. Your voice is music to my ears. When I gaze upon you, I see myself. Everything you do pleases me immensely. I call to you. I thirst for you. I bleed for you. I die for you again. I feel your pains. I share your gains. I'm here for you, now and forever. Nothing can separate us except your will. Please accept me. Please don't leave me again. Wonderful. Beautiful. Man, that hits home. It really does. And that's 
That's oh, you know, man. I only know this with my heart because my mind can't understand it. Right. But I know for sure in my case, he loves me more than I'll ever love myself. Yeah. You know, he I also to love myself as much as he does. Yeah. But he knows that's impossible with our human hearts. True. True. But you know, I feel that we can't give away anything we don't have, right? So until we have love, we can't give it away. Correct. And that's um my dilemma, you know. Yeah. So I mean, I just uh just keep fighting the battle every day. I keep, you know, keep my faith every day. I you know, my father used to say, you know, Jimmy, we have crosses to bear. Some are heavier than others, son. But you know what? You got to keep moving forward. And uh, I believe that with all my heart. And, you know, I, I love God even though I, I get mad at God from time to time. I do. I think we all do. But he realizes that. I think he... I, something else I just found. I wrote this August 23rd, and I don't remember writing it. Right. I whisper my message in the still of my might. Come love your Jesus. Come give up your fight. His might is stillness and restraint of power. He could have come down off the cross and smote all his persecutors, but he practiced stillness, which is true might, true power, his powerlessness. He yeah. further showed us through St. Faustina that it is his restraint of power, mercy, and love that he uses and not judgment. In my poem, One Sip of Wine, he said, My mercy yields forgiveness, but your judgments offend. Now, I'm going to sing something. Please don't laugh at me. But this is the, this is the song I got in a security booth in Vero Beach, Florida. Right. And I told him I didn't want any more poems. I didn't want any more pictures of faces in the sky. Which you were telling me that. Of. So I sang this. I got taken up, and this just came out. I have no control over it. I have control over it now, but the time it happened... This just came out of my mouth. I don't even know who was doing it. Right. One sip of wine, one bread in your time, one hope for mankind. Who do you go to when dark days are near? Now that the word of your day is fear, remember my mercy is always near. Revealed long ago by the spirit of love, I am alive and dancing a waltz. As the air of mercy follows my cross, so wake up and listen, my kind-hearted friends. Mercy yields forgiveness, but your judgments offend. So stay with me in your sacred place. Just pray for mercy and receive my grace. For my heart is as soft as the breath of an angel. I whisper my message in the still of my might. Come and receive me in the presence of light. Come love your Jesus, come give up your fight. I'm Jesus, Jesus, Savior of men. My mercy is forgiveness, but your judgments offend. So stay with me in your sacred place. Just pray for mercy and behold my holy face. My bleeding holy face. I died to set you free. My Beautiful. love will bring you home. Beautiful. Very beautiful, very touching, very beautiful. You know, um... There's another thing on love that I want you to hear. This is the second locution I ever got. Yeah. Love is the window to knowing me. Without it, nobody can see my face. My heart is full of sorrow for those who never learn the power of love. Love accepts all and is perfect in forgiveness. To forget oneself is to love oneself. To love all is to love me, for I am love, and to be in love is to be in me. Come now into my heart and know the true meaning of divine love. In the moment, love can become perfect in the silence of one's mind. Thoughtless is fullness, and the cloud of not knowing is found pure love. I am pure love. How great is the love found in total surrender to my will. He who contemplates my word day and night is with you forever. His love is inexhaustible and almighty. His mercy endures forever. Fear no man. Remember always the truth written about Mary and Martha. 
I am allowed to favor, and I have favorites. I am not accountable to the ACLU, and I pick and choose who I favor. I came and got the people who think they came and got me. Thinking is a human problem. Meditation is a remedy for that. Love is the key to salvation. Start with me, then everything else will come freely. Wonderful. Very wonderful. Beautiful. I mean, I'm a loss of words right now. I mean, that's, that's, that's fantastic. He told and, me uh, years ago that my mother is the key to my salvation. His mother is the key to my salvation. So I've got this book here. I want to read something out of it. Sure. This is written by a very dedicated person to the Divine Mercy, Father M- Michael Gately. He's at the Divine Mercy Shrine in Stockbridge. He travels all over the world t- teaching people a 33-day retreat right. to Mary, a do-it-yourself retreat. He started out with a book about the heart of Jesus, and then he realized that Mary is the key to getting to Jesus. So he put another retreat out on dedicating your life to Mary. So I'm on day 10, and I'm just going to read this right out of the book because we don't have that much time left. Sure. And it's about Mary. It says, Who are you, O Immaculate Conception? And it's pretty interesting. So the Holy Spirit is the uncreated Immaculate Conception, and Mary is the created Immaculate Conception. Why not make it easier and just say that the Holy Spirit is the Immaculate Conception, and Mary was immaculately conceived? Again, it's all because of Lourdes. Blame St. Bernadette. In all seriousness, we should thank both St. Sister Bernadette and St. Colby profusely, because their fidelity to grace is now opening up for us a glorious truth that undergirds the whole theology of Mary and consecration. This truth has to do with the union between the Holy Spirit and Mary. Colby explains this in a passage that is long and difficult, but incredibly rich and deserving of deep reflection. What type of union is this between the Holy Spirit and Mary? It is about all an interior union, a union of her essence with the essence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in her, lives in her. This was true from the first instant of her existence. It was always true. It will always be true. In what does this life of the Spirit in Mary consist? He himself is uncreated love in her. The love of the Father and of the Son, the love by which God loves himself, the very love of the most holy trinity. He is a fruitful lover, a conception among creatures made in God's image. The union brought about by married love is the most intimate of all. In much more precise, more interior, more essential manner, the Holy Spirit lives in the soul of the Immaculata, in the depths of her very being. He makes her fruitful from the very first instant of her existence, all during her life and for all eternity. This eternal Immaculate Conception, which is the Holy Spirit, produces in an Immaculate manner divine life itself in the womb or depths of Mary's soul making her the Immaculate Conception, the human Immaculate Conception, and the virginal womb of Mary's body is kept sacred for him. There he conceives in time, because everything that is material occurs in time, the human life of the man-god. If among human beings the wife takes the name of her husband because she belongs to him, is one with him, becomes equal with him, and is with him the source of new life, which how much greater reason should the name of the Holy Spirit, who is the Divine Immaculate Conception, be used as the name of her in whom he lives, as uncreated love, the principle of life in the whole supernatural order of grace. In light of this remarkable passage, I'd like to make three points. First, ponder it again deeply and prayerfully. As you do, keep it in mind that these are the parting words of one of the greatest Marian saints of all times, answering the very question <clears throat> to which he dedicated his life and energies. Second, if it seems that Colby has gone a bit overboard with this talk of Mary and her union with the Holy Spirit, don't worry. Pope Paul VI went out of his way to reassure the faithful that Colby's teaching is sound. Third, if you only get one point from this challenging passage, may it be this. Mary is the spouse of the Holy Spirit. In fact, her union with the Holy Spirit is even deeper 
than we understand by a spousal relationship. We'll pick up this thread tomorrow. Come, Holy Spirit, living in Mary, unveil for me the meaning of the Immaculate Conception. That's intense, isn't it? Very intense. Very intense. It kind of makes you think spiritually we're all conceived within Mary's womb, and when we die, we go back through it. Unbelievable. And, and where did you get this again from? 33 Days to Morning Glory. It's a 33-day consecration to Mary, written by Father Michael Gately. That's beautiful. I mean, that's really... From the really... Divine Mercy Shrine, and so... Yeah. I've been trying to get a personal meeting with him. I went to a retreat of his where I got this book. Correct. And he actually took my book and told me to take him three months, but he would review it for me because he's behind on his book reviews. Well, so I'm sure he'll get a review from him. On my, on my book's going to be reviewed by this guy, and that's amazing. That's phenomenal. That's, that's God's will. You know, it's, it's yeah. beautiful. Very beautiful. And uh, I think Sherry, my name's book of my name is Cry Oneness, and it's a book about... Uh, how I felt alcoholism. Yeah. How the Lord picked me back up, just like He picked you back up. Sure. And just different circumstances. I was spiritually dead. You were physically and spiritually dead, maybe. Yeah. It's amazing what He can do for people, isn't it? I mean, He's God. He can do anything if we get out I mean, of the way and let Him. Basically, all you got to do is ask and 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 pray. And and I believe that, you know, you just got to believe, believe, you know, and and just. Let him do his work. And, you know, a lot of people were... He came and got me the first time. Shortly, I want to say what happened with my father. My father did go through a tunnel. Yeah. And with light... Tell me that. I remember that. I don't have time because we only have four minutes, but I'm going to do the short version. So just like you, my father was dead on the table. And, uh, you know, he had had drank quite a bit in his life, too, at that point in time, but he stopped after this. And yeah. he smoked also, so he had a lot of things going against him. He was dead in the intensive care unit. And he never told us this for years because my father was in World War II. His ship was hit by three kamikazes. Nothing faced oh, him. You know? He was in yeah. an electrical room working, and he took a cigarette break. And he was only 18 years old because he went into the service at 17 during a war on the right. USS Columbia. And he was almost thrown overboard for being dead because he passed out throwing bodies overboard. So nothing Whoa. So he had this cardiac arrest and told my mother two years later. He went through a tunnel with a bright light at the end of it. Yeah. And God said to him, Bill, are you ready? And my father said, no, I'm not, God. And God said, why aren't you ready? Mm-hmm. He said, because my family still needs me. And he woke up with the airway in his mouth. See? Back to life. And in those days, nobody survived cardiac arrest. It was the first no. day that the cardiac care unit in Stanford Hospital opened, and he was the only patient in there. And back in those days, people didn't survive cardiac arrest. Well, no, they didn't have the technology we have now. So Now, you know, you know your story is amazing, but so many people get resuscitated these days. God loves saving people, doesn't he? Sure he does. Absolutely, he does. And after he finishes saving you physically, he starts healing you spiritually, too. Yeah. I mean, he didn't, God didn't send his son to die for nothing. He sent his son to die for a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, for us, for our sins and everything, you know, he's not going to give up on us. I've got to thank you. We only have two minutes left, and I okay. saved something for the end. I yep. want to say this. First of all, anybody who thinks that they're not worthy of God, they're right. None of us are worthy of God, but he loves us so much that that doesn't matter, you know? Yes. So he loves us beyond our ability to love ourselves. And yes. he said on the cross, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. When people are living in sin, they don't know they're living in sin. Correct. They, in fact, think they're doing the right thing. So yes. that's the mercy of God. And the mercy of God is so abundant that we shouldn't be afraid of God, and yet we are, right? So, I agree. Listen, I want to end with the serenity prayer that we use in yeah. my program. But sure. I, I just want to thank you, first of all. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Jimmy. I just want to thank you all for having me. I want to thank you, Joseph, for having me on your show. All the listeners, God bless you all. God loves you, and keep the strength. And go ahead, Joseph. And we are uh, short. You might like this. Religion is for people who are afraid of hell. And spirituality is for people who have already been there. And both you and I are spiritual because of our falls. 
Correct. So God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. God bless you all, and thank you for listening to Cry Oneness, and please come back again next week, and I'm going to try to have another great guest like Jimmy on. And please call us next week. I'll give you the numbers, but I was so amazed at Jimmy's story that I was sure you would appreciate it. And thank you, Jimmy, for being on, and God bless you, and God bless everybody listening. God bless you, love you, and God bless, and keep the strength, and uh, I will keep in touch with you. Keep in touch. I'll see you soon, and you'll be getting a copy of this to share with your friends, and please do. Thank you. Please do. Thank you so much, and God bless. Bye-bye now. We hope you enjoyed the program, and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.